0: Our word is, is, a, is a, it's a hitter. Um, and to be transparent, it's a word that uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to speak a couple of times, but every time that I deliver it, it hits differently because life happens. If you, let me just be honest with y'all, uh, and I think you can agree with me, life happens, right? Life just continues to happen. Uh, sometimes it's great. Other times, it's not so great. The journey carries on, and I want, to, I want to really hone into this word, especially as believers. When life happens and things happen, today's word really hones into what our obligation is as believers. When the difficult things happen, when the tough stuff happens. And that's what our word is focusing on today. Our word is focusing on difficulty. Uh, We've had the opportunity over Radiate's life over this last year to just voyage through what it looks like to be believers and what it means for us to go through different seasons of our life and what we encounter. And and, and today we're going to be talking about the storms of our life, when we actually go through the hardship of life. All of us encounter hardship. Uh, full transparency this past week, unfortunately, due to a mistake, I lost my wallet. And uh, it was uh, not only did I lose it, but it was stolen. It was not a fun season. Like the last few days trying to recover everything, calling, getting your cards canceled, getting everything come back to you, any state issued IDs having to come. I mean, the process was just. Ugh. And then in the middle of the week, there's this weird like thing going around. So I felt like off for like a couple of days. And, and it was just one of those weeks where I was like, I am dragging. And we all have those kind of situations. Maybe perhaps you've been in a season in your life where you might feel helpless and hopeless. And you've been asking for God to give you strength and comfort and peace. Those are all seasons that we go through. We all go through it. What we're talking about today, though, is a little bit different. The tough stuff that I'm talking about is when God asks us to make a decision. And we have to end up choosing to walk down a path of difficulty, of hardship, of complications, voluntarily. What may complicate this even more is the fact that the situations that we are going to speak of today are ones, not only do we walk down, but God is kind of telling us that there are things on the other side of it. The circumstances in which we as followers of Jesus walk into, because of our devotion to God, sometimes will cause us to suffer. And this is what I call the tough stuff of life. The title of today's message is called The Hard Ask, When Following God Gets Tough. Now, I, I want to I make sure that we are all on the same page here, right, as we talk about this subject matter today. When I speak of the, the tough stuff, I'm not talking about the hardship that everybody goes through in life. There is something where, whether you are a Christian or you are a non-Christian, you're going to go through some hardship. For example, do you have to be a Christian to get your wallet stolen? No. Do you have to be a Christian to get a flat tire on your way to work? No. Let me take it a step further. Do you have to be a Christian to lose your job, lose a relationship, or even lose a loved one? No. No. You don't have to be a Christian for those things. God does not require us to be a Christian in order for us to go through hard things. However, what God, the, the, the difficult things that I'm asking, the hard stuff that we're talking about, is when God asks you to do something, to perform a task, when He directs you down a path that will definitely lead to vulnerability, hurt, pain, persecution, and possibly even death. You see, these things are much more difficult, much different from just some of those things that you may go through as a result of life being life. And in these moments, we often turn to God and we say, God, I know that you wouldn't give me more than I can bear. I know, that, I, I, I know that you'll take me out of this soon. I know that your word tells me I'm your son or your daughter. So I know that this wouldn't be something that you'd want me to go through for a really long time. But in the situations where God gives us a directive, it's much more difficult for us to talk to God about those things because we know that God has placed us there. We know that God has asked us to be there. We know that God has asked us to do that. If I tell my children, right, to go outside and stand in the rain, it'll be much harder for them to come to me for support because I am the one that has asked them to go outside and deal with the inclement weather. I've asked them to deal with the wind. I've asked them to deal with the rain. I've asked them to deal with the cold that comes through that It's different when they've made a choice and they end up there. They can come to me for support. How often do we feel stranded or alone because God has asked us to do something and we're like, God, I want to come back to you and talk to you about this. But it's hard for me to do that because you've asked me to go through this pain and it's tough for me right now. If that's you, I just want you to think about yourself right now. If that's you, I want you to pay attention as we walk through the meat of this message right now. This is for you this morning. This is for you. Let's jump right into it. The first thing that I want you to remember when God asks us to do tough things is that sometimes God asks us to do the tough things simply because he is sovereignty sovereign. And in his sovereignty... He knows best. Let me say that one more time for you. God asks us to do the tough things sometimes simply because he is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, he sees what is best. Let, let, Let me make sure you understand what I mean by sovereignty. Let me define this word sovereignty for you. Sovereignty is to have supreme dominion, power, and authority over an area. Alright? Sovereignty is to have supreme dominion, power, and authority over an area. What does that mean? I have well, technically not quite because I'm still paying off my car loan. But, once my car loan is paid off I have I am sovereign over my car. So if I decide to go jump in my car drive around go to Memorial Park, that's right behind us here, and I want to drive my car into the lake. Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to do that, yes or no? Yes. Why am I allowed to do that? It's my car, I own it, correct? I am sovereign over my car. Now, is that kind of dumb? Yes. Insurance is going to give me a very difficult time. There could be charges connected to that, possibly, maybe, right? I might have to go to court for that, maybe. But I have the right to do that because I own it. It's mine. You see, we need to remember that God is sovereign, which means Everything and anything that exists on this planet, that exists in this universe, that exists in this galaxy, that inv- exists in worlds that we know of and we don't know of, everything is his. First, uh, Second, Samuel, uh, Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 22 says this, How great are you, sovereign Lord, there is none like you. How great are you, sovereign Lord? You see, God has supreme dominion and authority over our lives. You heard what I said. Did you hear what I said this morning? Your life is not your own. Your life is held within the hands of the supremely powerful, almighty, transcendent God. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, this is one of my favorite psalms, it says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You know what that means? That literally means that not only is your body the Lord's, but let me, ready, listen to this. Everything that you own is also for the Lord. Everything that is created is also for the Lord. Everything that is destroyed is also for the Lord. Everything that is conceptualized is also for the Lord. Everything that is developed is also for the Lord. Everything that is manufactured is also for the Lord. There is nothing that is on earth that is not God's. You hear me? So when we, could, when we allow for ourselves to walk in his footsteps, we give up ownership and dominion of our own lives and everything. Everything. That is ours, and we give it over to the one who has dominion over the entire universe. Yeah, I want to make sure that y'all are paying attention to me right here. Ready? 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 When we give God everything, when we decide that we are going to be servants of the Lord, we give up our right to put up a fight. We give up our right to put up a fight because we can't contest what is ours because it belongs to God. My vehicle belongs to God. My cell phone belongs to God. My body belongs to God. My property belongs to God. My children belongs to God. My marriage belongs to God. Everything belongs to the Lord. And when we do that, we relinquish the right, listen, ready, to complain, to needlessly cry, to whine, because he has full control, and he decides what he wants to do with it. He decides what he wants. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, The Lord sits within the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. When, uh, growing up, my parents used to say this to me, uh, and I'm going to say it in two languages, Right? So, uh, we are Haitian, and you all know that I'm Haitian. And my my parents used to say this all the time to me. They used to say, Which means, translated in English, God is an adult. He grown. He does whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. He's a grown-up. Y'all seen that video? I'm grown. I'm grown, that little boy. That's God. He does what he wants to do. And it's something that there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a denomination in Christianity called Calvinism. And while we can have some issues with Calvinism, one of the things that they do really, really well is they understand the sovereignty of God. They understand that God does what he wants, how he wants. He sets things. He chooses things. He, he puts things into motion. He condemns things as he pleases. And that's where humanity comes up with an issue. We feel like we have the need for an answer to everything. Mm. This is for somebody listening today. We feel like we need an answer for everything that happens. If your shipment goes wrong with Amazon, what's the first thing that you do? You get on the phone. Where's my shipment at? Why y'all taking so long? What's going on here? This was supposed to be with me. Y'all taking too long for me. I need this right here and right now. In our relationships, if we don't like something, If we don't agree with something, it might not even be wrong, but we disagree with it. We need an answer right here and right now. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we challenge God's sovereignty and we don't even know it. Y'all understand what I mean by that? Sometimes we think we are greater, we know better, we see better, we can do better, we can operate better than how God is. You are not sovereign. Say this with me this morning. You are not sovereign. Say this with me this morning. You are not sovereign. For those of you that are at home, say you are not sovereign. Say I am not sovereign. Say I am not sovereign. God is sovereign. Here's another thing, ready? Walk with me. So we have God's sovereignty. We started with that. We got to establish that as one of the foundational pillars. Let's move on. God may ask us to do the difficult things because he desires to know how far you are willing to go. Remember, re- remember in, Deuteronomy, in, that, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, those verses that we read, there was an understanding of God loving us while God remaining sovereign. And the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. What does that mean? It means he don't want you to put nothing else before him. I mean, the commandments, the first couple of commandments focusing on you not putting any other God before, that God being the only one that you worship, God being the only one that you dedicate yourself to, that, that, that our God that we serve being the, the focus of our life and our direction. Sometimes God wants to know how far you're willing to go. We're going to read a couple of verses here. Walk with me as we read these. We're gonna get we visited this story a couple of weeks ago. We're coming back to this story now. Ready? Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 12. I'm gonna read it really quickly. Sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom I love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain while I will show you. Early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took him, he took with him two of his servants, and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back down to you. Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and placed it on, the son, on, on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went drawn together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the water here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar and on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord crawled out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld me from me your son, your only son. Now, let's walk through this, ready? I read this whole story. Remember, we talked about the sovereignty of God. And I want to point out what happens in verse one. Ready? Sometime later, God tested Abraham. That's it. That's the end of the verse. Remember that sovereignty aspect? Do you hear an explanation? No. Do you hear a rhyme? No. Do you hear a reason? No. God didn't reveal anything in the beginning. He just said, I'm testing you. That's it. God asked Abraham to do the hardest thing possible. And it's crazy because God knew that it was going to be the hardest thing. Because God kind of set him up for that. I want you to take your only son. I want you to take the son that you've been waiting for. The son that I gave you. God set up all these extracurriculars before that and said, boom. I want you to take him and sacrifice him. God literally was pushing Abraham to the brink. Can you imagine the pain? The emotional pain, and we talked about pain a little bit today, that Abraham was experiencing. This was his son that he waited for his entire life, the only child that he'd ever had. And through this child, God had promised him, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that, 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 that he was going to have generations of kids, that his kids, his offspring, were going to be more than the stars in the sky and the sand and the beaches. And now God is asking him to give him up. And never mind that, not only is God asking for Abraham to give up his son, God is also asking Abraham to be the one to kill his son. And he can't even tell his son Isaac about him. And it's about it. And it's not until the last second that God shows up. And then God gives his reason. Ready? Listen. This is for y'all. This is for some of y'all right now. God gives his reason right here. He says, don't kill him. Now I know how far you're willing to go for me. No, 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 no. You don't have to do that, Abraham. Because I I, you showed me how far you're willing to go. You see, Abraham was not afraid of going as far as God had called him to go. Even though it didn't make sense, even though it was going to hurt, even though that there was no rhyme or explanation or reason, even though at the end of it, if he had actually followed through, he probably would have dealt with one of the most difficult things in his entire life. Abraham was not afraid to go to that place because of his commitment to God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where is your commitment to the Lord this morning? Where's your commitment to God? Hearing this story, can you sit there and say to yourself, are there areas of my life that I need to reflect on, that God has called me to give up, that I just don't want to do? Are there areas in my relationship, are there areas in my job, are there areas in my family, are there areas in my friendship, Are there places in my personality, are there things that I do, things that I behave, ways that I behave, that God is asking me to give up, to release, to sacrifice, to put on the altar, and I'm refusing to do so. Maybe because you worked so hard to get there and you don't want to know what it feels like to let that thing go. Maybe because it came to you during a time of your life that was really important and there's nostalgia connected to that. Maybe it's simply because you're just being stubborn and you want to do what you want to do. But let me tell you something. Sometimes God asks us to do things as a demonstration of how far we're willing to go for him, where our commitment is. So let me pose the question to you today. If God asked you this morning, I need you to be done. Think in your mind, I need you to be done with this thing. What would it be? What would it be? If God said to you right here, right now, I need for you to be done with this. No more. This is what I'm asking you to give up. And you were connected to it. And you loved it. It means something to you. And he didn't give you a reason or an explanation. Would you be able to walk away from it? Would you be able to separate yourself from it? Would you be willing to walk away because God has asked you to? You see, God does that because he wants to test your heart. God wants to test your heart. God wants to test you. The Bible says that fire Tests silver and gold, but only the Lord tests your heart. He wants to know what is truly inside of you and how committed you are. We're not finished with Abraham. We're going to come back here in a second. But I want to focus on other reasons why God may ask us to do tough things. God calls us to tough things that put us outside of our safe zone for the sake of other people. This is a big one. We struggle with this. Our society is very individualistic. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. There's no we. There's no we in our society, right? I don't care if you are part of Gen Z, Gen, uh, millennial, if you woke or not. When it comes down to it, you only worried about you. You are. It's a human thing. You're mainly concerned with your own well-being. As a human race, we solely think about ourselves. This is what we do to protect ourselves. This is what we want. We want to protect ourselves. It's, it's a natural thing to be able to say I need to do what's best for me. But sometimes God calls us outside of our comfort zone and he asks us to do difficult things for other people. And sometimes that means putting ourselves in very vulnerable situations. So let's go, let's go back to y'all remember this? We preached Uh, We walked through a message when Radiate first started, right? What a time to be alive. Y'all remember that series? We talked about Esther, and we talked about courage and Esther. We're going to dive back into that very, very quickly, very, very quickly here. And a brief summary, We remember this, Queen Vashti was currently the queen sitting with King Xerxes, and Queen Vashti made King Xerxes upset, and as a result of that, he kicked Queen Vashti out of her queendom, right? Queendom, is that the word? Y'all know what I mean. She was no longer going to be the queen. And now King Xerxes is looking for a new queen. And Esther gets elevated to this new position. Think about it. Y'all think about it. Imagine being a nobody and then all of a sudden you are a first lady, right, or a first husband. You instantly become the, most imp- the second most important person in all of the land. And this is what happened to Esther, But then as a result of something that her uncle did, her uncle Mordecai, uh, another person in the kingdom wanted to bring death to all the Jews. Now, Esther was a Jew, which included Esther and her entire people. But she was also a queen. Possibly she could escape whatever pain that was going to come to the Jewish people because of her position and her status as queen. However, Her uncle comes to her and says, you have to do something. Listen to this verse. Ready? Listen to verses uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. We're going to read through it very quickly. Mordecai told him everything. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the world treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Ready? The Jews were going to be killed by Haman. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edicts for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. He told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence, to beg, to, beg for mercy, and plead with the king for her people. Hathak uh, went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. He then instructed him to say to Mordecai, she then instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and all the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends his golden scepter to them and spares their life but 30 days have passed since I was last called to go to the king when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai he sent an answer back he said do not think that you are that you are in the king's house excuse me do not think that because you are in the king's house you alone of all the Jews will escape for if you remain silent at this time relief and deliverance For the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go before the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now, let me make sure you understand what happened, just to make sure you get this. Esther now had the responsibility of saving her people because of the position that she had as queen. But even though she was queen, if the king did not want to see her, and did not give her permission to be there. She could be killed on sight, which would mean she wouldn't save herself and she wouldn't be able to save her people. Esther might have been asking herself so many different questions. God, you let me rise up. You let me get out of my situation. You let me emerge from all of this craziness. You've given me such a place of power, of influence and authority And now I have to risk my life. God, you knew what was going to happen, and yet you put me here as queen of this land through Xerxes, and now I have to approach him, and he might kill me on the spot. What if he doesn't want to see me? Lord, what if he does want to see me, but he doesn't change his mind? Let me say this and make sure you understand it's not always about you sometimes God wants to show himself through you to others sometimes God uses you as a vessel of his glory so that other people can see what God wants to do there are points there are places Where we have to say this life that I live is not just for me. God has not put me in this place for myself. God is not asking me to do this thing that's difficult just for me. Perhaps God is asking me to do it so he can talk to somebody else. Perhaps God is asking me to do it so he can reach somebody else. Perhaps God is asking me to do this so he can heal somebody else. Perhaps God is asking me to do this so he can meet with somebody else. So someone else can have an experience with him. Perhaps God is asking me to do this because there's something bigger than me here. God placed Esther in a life-threatening situation so that his glory can be revealed. You see... Here's the deal. She accepted the fact in verse 16. This is bigger than me, y'all. God, this is bigger than me. If I pass, if I die, I die. But I know what you have called me to is bigger than just me and my safety. Bigger than me and just what I need to do. Bigger than me and what I want. Bigger than me and my position. It's not about me. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. It's not about you. Hold on, hold on. Let me make sure you grab this. It's not about you. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Sometimes it's about other people. Sometimes it's about others. God wants to use you to impact other people. The Bible says, actually in the book of Revelation, ready? And they will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their of their testimony. Sometimes God wants to use you and put you in a difficult situation so your test can become a testimony for somebody else. Hallelujah. That's for somebody listening right now. God wants to use you to be a demonstration of what he can do for others. And we see that with Esther. You see, Esther goes up to the king, he accepts her, and she saves the Jewish people because she was willing to step outside of herself. Now, coming back to Abraham, I told you we were going to come back to Abraham and we're back here now. We see further fulfillment of Abraham's faithfulness. Ready? Listen. The Jewish people were given the right to be protected, and anyone who threatened their life would be destroyed. And that was passed by King Xerxes. The same king that was going to allow for them to be killed was the same king that exalted them. God fulfilled his promise in Abraham through Esther all the way through now. And God said this to Abraham and he meant it. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because you gave me your own son. I am going to bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the sky. And through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. That didn't stop with Abraham. It continued on to Esther. And it goes on for generations to generations. So let me say this to you this morning. Stop putting yourself at the center of your universe. When we place our grief when we place our pain, when we place our circumstances at the center of the universe, it blocks the view of what God is doing all around us. It stops us from seeing what God is actually doing behind the scenes and makes us the, the, the center of our world. What if we, in spite of ourselves, went through the tough stuff that God has directed us to go towards? You see, when we go through these things, most often than not, it is, a, it is a revelation to someone about God's glory and his love and power. And let me tell you something. When you go through the tough things, you might be bringing someone else closer to God and you don't even know it. But we have to be willing to put ourselves to the side and say, God, this thing that you are calling me to, I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through it because you are sovereign. I'm going to go through it. Because you want to see how far I'm willing to go for you and I'm going to go through it because maybe, just maybe, your glory is going to be revealed through me and other people might come to know you because of this tough thing that you've called me to. Understand that when God puts us in tough stuff, he doesn't leave us out there to to dry. We've talked about this over and over again. God walks beside us. The Bible says that Jesus actually says, I am with you even until the ends of the earth. We talked about Joshua last week where God says, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't, it doesn't say that we are going to do it on our own. He doesn't put us in a situation where it's too much for us. He will never give us more than we can bear. He will equip us with the strength, the patience, and the perseverance and faith to be able to do what God has directed us to do. But you have to be willing to put that thing on the altar this morning and sacrifice it to God. As we close, we all know it. We all know it. We all have something. What is the thing that God is asking you to place on the altar? What is the thing that God is asking you like Abraham to sacrifice? What is the thing that God is asking you like Esther to put in harm's way? What is God asking you to give away This morning, what is God requiring of you to release and let go? Is it a relationship? is, Is it a position? Is it power? Is it a friendship? Is it a behavior? Is it a vice? Is it a pattern? Is it a way of thinking? God is asking you to release it and put it on the altar. If that's you, if you're someone who is struggling this morning, I want you to know that God is waiting for you to let it go and give it up to him. God is calling you to something greater, but in order to do that, you have to go through a season of difficulty. You have to be willing to put it down and lay it before him.